There it is. We are back. It's another beautiful week and uh, funky start to yesterday. Everybody was shut down, including us, but we're taking that as an excuse. Whatever. We're jumping in. Here we go. We're going to have some fun today talking about mononormative messaging everywhere. Can't get away from it. Let's do this. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this beautiful Tuesday. Sunny after a beautiful rainstorm here in uh, San Diego. That rarely happens, but whatever. Who cares about the weather? If you're joining us for the first time today, welcome and thank you so much for tuning in. And if you've been here for a while, then you already know that we are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Three opportunities every single week for you to ask questions. So if you've got any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs, let me know, or leave a comment while we're recording live. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Practicing Polya. Let us know what it is that you want us to talk about. And as always, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on this show. None of us are perfect, and we're here to share our imperfect stories because the more stories we share, the more others will see us in themselves, and the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com, sign up to share your imperfect story too. All right, that's my spiel, ladies and gentlemen. On to the best part of the show. Let's introduce our awesome guest. Navigating any relationship at all can be hard, and the challenges of maintaining multiple ones are made even harder when our context includes living in a hetero-mononormative majority culture, which we do. Hollywood and the media fill our world with all kinds of role models for monogamy, but healthy polyam and non-monogamous representation is woefully rare and hard to find. Today's guest gets the lack of representation and understands the difficulty our communities face. And she's built her practice to cater to the needs of sexual minority populations and non-traditional relationships, including LGD, LGBTQIA+, polyamorous, and kinky folks. Our guest knows that sometimes there's just too much going on in life and in our heads to be able to slow down long enough to reflect and determine the most effective way to proceed. Sometimes you need a solid sounding board, someone to help you take a step back and gain perspective. And that's exactly what our guest loves and is here to do. Joining us today from Life Tree Counseling out of Prince William County, Virginia, welcome to the show, Alana Donovan Makinson. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I got to get my energy up too and get this thing rocking and rolling. Alana, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thanks Welcome for having to me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, you uh, built your practice to cater to the LGBTQIA, polyamorous, kinky, etc. community. What inspired that? Yeah, so I, well, I'll just kind of start with where I started in counseling. So I actually, um, I got my independent licensure. I earned it in 2016. And um, at the time I was working with queer and polyamorous clients and I was getting more and more polyam clients. And hmm. um, it was, there was a lot of word of mouth, like, you know, 
people referring people to me. And I think really there was kind of two reasons for that. One was um, working with polyamorous, just a really good fit. Like I can really relate to my clients based on life experience, values and personality. And Mm -hmm. the other is like at the time, and this was just in 2016, there really wasn't anybody else that I knew of in my community who was serving the polyamorous community. So for me, it was a really important, um, Uh, values alignment and match for me to be able to provide those services and so yeah in 2019 I started my own practice because I had been in group practice previously and so I started my own private practice um, in 2019 and have been really honing in on specializing polyamory and I provide telehealth services so I actually it's really cool now I get to be licensed in three states Ohio Virginia and Kentucky and I get to work with people kind of like all over in those different areas. So it's really fun. I love it. That is super cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was just because of the pandemic or if that was your plan all along, but the pandemic definitely made it possible for people to access care, especially uh, poly-friendly care, almost no matter where they are. Absolutely. Actually, it was just weird how kind of like all the telehealth stuff happened and switched over like I was planning to switch over to telehealth anyway mm-hmm. and then the pandemic slammed down and it was like one weekend it was like well we're doing this so <laughs> ready or not here we come yep exactly so it all <laughs> it all happened and it all worked out I'm really enjoying telehealth so I love it I love it I I'm enjoying telecommuting teleworking from home <laughs> yeah it's all pretty great he ain't lying <laughs> <laughs> So, um, all right. So this mononormative messaging, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's, I, I want to say it's pervasive, but like, that's not exactly the word that I want to use. It's just, it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. That's probably a better word. Um, yeah, and it's, I, I, I feel like it's, I guess, because it's never really been challenged. Um, I'm thinking back to, you know, the oldest movies I can think of the Casablancas, right. Where it's all yeah. about, you know, trying to, to win the woman over and this, that, and the other. And like, you know, the, the romance is always between, you know, one man, one woman, right? Like that's, that's just what our media has shown us over and over and over and over again. And so polyamory, non-monogamy, all this stuff feels to me very new. Um, mm-hmm. At least as far as representation in the media knowledge about, you know, this kind of life, you know, whatever it's, it's, it's all in my opinion, relatively new and hasn't been shown uh, very much in the media. How is that reflected in your practice in the people that you talk to? Yeah. So I think you bring up a really good point and ubiquitous is a good word for it because we do get messages from everywhere you know we're especially now with like in the media technology age we live in we're just you know constantly bombarded with messages and from all different sources and um so yeah you know it is really interesting when you start to kind of like think about you know what what are what are messages around monogamy and non-monogamy and you start tuning in and noticing those it really does kind of stand out like, you know, you do start to kind of uncover like, oh, there are a lot of like messages 
around this that we're getting. And the interesting thing about messages is like, sometimes there are messages that are like very direct, but sometimes it can be things that are more direct and more subtle. And we also get messages from things that are unsaid, like what you were mentioning with, you know, a lot of the movies being very monogamy focused. Well, the lack of representation says something about, you know, non-monogamy. So it, it impacts, I mean, not just my clients, but I mean, impacts all of us as a society at large. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about how it impacts all of us as a society at large. I think one of the um, big struggles or big challenges, I guess, that uh, people may often have in in polyamory and in, in discovering that they are polyamorous is fear of telling anybody about it. Fear of mom and dad finding mm -hmm. out fear of people at work finding out fear of, you know, all of these people finding out. And it's because of what society has told us over and over and over again of what is quote unquote normal and what isn't. Yes. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest um, detrimental consequences to the monogamy normative messaging is this isolation and lack of social support. Because if you're getting messages that, um, you know, if, if you identify as polyamorous, but that is perceived by other people to be a deviance, Mm -hmm. You're not going to really feel comfortable disclosing that to people. And, you know, you're, there might be really unnecessary like shame around it and things like that. And so it really can create a sense of isolation and, and, you know, keep people from reaching out and having a community of support. That is one of the biggest, I think, detrimental consequences to it. I 100% agree with you. Uh, uh, you used a word that stood out to me. It was deviance. Uh, there was a time when uh, homosexuality was considered a deviance. What do you know about the status of polyamory and non-monogamy as far as it being considered a deviance? Yeah, so it's interesting that you bring up um, kind of like how with LGBTQ, that's been considered a deviance. And there's actually really recent research that shows that non-monogamy is considered by heterosexual kind of straight populations to be even more deviant mm. than, um, LG than gay, queer, you know, LGBTQ. And there's a lot of, um, they actually did a study. They kind of, they looked at like 455 straight individuals and, you know, kind of how they, what terms they use to describe couples and non-monogamous relationships. And there was so much more dehumanizing language used to describe that than there was when they looked at like queer couples or straight couples or other couples. So, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's hard. There's a lot of um, negative messaging around it, unfortunately. As far as uh, what is it called? Is it, I think it's the DSM. Am I getting that right? The, yeah, Diagnostic um, and Statistical Manual. Yes, you're right. right, right. So, so that's what the psychology that's the psychology bible, right? Um, more or less. Uh, is is non monogamy listed in there, and and how? 
<laughs> that's a good question. Not that I know of, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> there, you know, like I actually looked back at my counseling textbooks because um, I wanted to see like how was non-monogamy treated in my multicultural class, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a little blip on LGBTQ Uh-oh. and there was nothing on non-monogamy. Oh, no. Did you lose me for a second? For a second. You're back, though. Oh, okay. Um, what I was saying is I looked at one of my old counseling textbooks um, for my multicultural class, I believe. Out of that whole entire book, there was a little blip, like a paragraph on LGBTQ working with um, queer communities, and there was nothing on non-monogamy. So it actually, huh. um, it it hasn't been, there's not a lot of um, really education period about it, but that has been getting better in recent years. But yeah, it's more of like, it's not really talked about period than talked about badly. But again, like I said, what we don't talk about often says a lot. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, I I totally agree with you on that. I kind of want to dig in on that and see uh, if you know, I guess, of any changes that you're seeing, any anything that you know of that, like, within... Okay. In On this podcast, I've been mm-hmm. able to talk to something like a hundred therapists and counselors and life coaches and, you know, a bunch of folks who are poly-friendly and affirming, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. and it's because I got all of these names from polyfriendly.org website. So, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. it, I, I have had the opportunity to bring these people to light and say, hey, here's a bunch of polyam-friendly counselors and therapists and people that you can talk to as you're navigating your journey, depending on where you are. Yeah. But in even the people that I've talked to, it's a drop in the bucket compared to how many therapists there are and the the education that's going out in the therapist psychology etc world uh so i kind of yeah. want to get your your insight on that if you can if you can share like uh you said that it, it's changing like do you how how is it changing yeah. what are you seeing well when i say it's changing i i guess i'm speaking from my personal experience when like I mentioned, I started out in 2016, and at the time, there was really there there were a few resources for therapists if you looked for them mm-hmm. on like really you know how to how to support your clients who are polyamorous or in non-monogamous relationship structures. Um, but you had to like really search them out, and now like I am seeing more kind of more more educational support coming out and there's a lot more what I go to a lot is just looking at what is the research that's coming out that people are doing around this so um so yeah over the years there has been more and more um coming out but you still kind of have to search for it and be on you know it kind of have it on your radar I I have a good one I have a good one okay so we've got you know Ethical non-monogamy is what we mm-hmm. keep talking about, right? Polyamory, swinging, whatever, anything that uh, that is out there in the open. We're 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 not hiding things from our partners. Yeah. What? 
what what is the teaching around like if somebody is cheating right around infidelity do is it always like hey let's kind of get back and like just be a couple is there any talk about you know exploring non-monogamy in in like conventional mainstream uh psychology education or is it always like let's just bring things back to the couple and you know curb the cheating is there any like hey maybe we should explore non-monogamy as an option not that that's a good place to be coming from but you know yeah um i i'm not sure how to answer that question as far as the education around it because like i said um when I was getting my education. Nothing was said about it. That's so, so not even lot. infidelity. Um, I know I, I'm picking your brain right now. I know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm going into the way, way back machine here. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like there, there is a lot more research on infidelity and working with partners to recover from that, and a lot more education around that. Um, with polyamory, honestly, a lot of, um, kind of the education that I have gotten around it has been through self-education and Mm -hmm. seeking it out and from the polyamorous community itself. So, um, I'm not sure if that really answers your question, but. You know, I'm going to let it sit and let the audience decide. (laughs) Uh, we'll figure that out a little bit later, but maybe I sidetracked a little bit. Let's get back to. Uh, what the mononormative messaging does to our community. There was another word that you used uh, as you were describing uh, some of the effects that you've seen, and it was dehumanizing. So when we have, uh, I, I think it was you were you were talking about uh, how people describe uh, folks in in non monogamous relationships. You were saying that uh, the the heteronormative heteromononormative community at large sees non-monogamy as more of a deviance than even LGBTQ uh, and and the comments were even more dehumanizing. Um, what I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what is it that uh, or or yeah, I guess I'll, I'll just leave it leave it kind of broad and just kind of kind of give me your, your insight on what you think on on the dehumanizing part. And I guess how uh the mononormative messaging can continue to exacerbate that and make it even more dehumanizing for us. Yeah. I think as a society at large um, in American culture, we are very, very tied to like our Puritan roots. And it's really interesting when you kind of like go back and even just looking at to a lot um, that I that is kind of on my mind for kind of where we started from is um, James did you in high school read the Scarlet Letter did they have you read that uh, I'm sure that I was supposed to I probably <laughs> skimmed you know pages here and there and knew enough to get my book report done actually (laughs) and it maybe now that you're older that would be something interesting to kind of come back around to with fresh eyes especially in the context of like 
non-monogamy and prejudice and how things are kind of how they show up because the book really um it it talks about you know so the main character her name is Hester Prynne and her husband kind of abandons her and so she takes up with like the minister and all this and the book is about just how vilified she is for that and Uh how mistreated she is and by the way, the guys kind of get away, like, yes, <laughs> totally. you know, but she is like, so um, punished for um, the relationship that she had, you know, outside of her marital relationship. And, and it's just really interesting kind of look into Puritan culture and where we've come from and it's interesting to think about how pervasive it is as far as like how judgmental we as a society can be towards people mm-hmm. who pursue structures outside of the monogamy norm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so speaking of that book, I mean, that book was based Puritan. So I'm thinking like 17, 1600s. Hey, Robbie, thanks for joining us again. And Mandy looks like uh <laughs> so we ha- I mean we're we're basing that on you know something maybe three four hundred years ago right that like that's that's how people were uh and obviously a lot has changed mm-hmm. and here we are you know in this explosion of technology and this explosion of information uh where people are able to access uh, so much more and and while there's still not a lot of mainstream polyamory or or, or non-monogamous representation uh, you know you were talking about it yourself you can still get on google type in a little search and find a lot of what you're looking for that yeah. stuff is, is is definitely out there uh, mm-hmm. more and how do you think that that is affecting your clientele like now that they, I mean, all of this mononormative messaging, everything that we've grown up with over the past 30 years, whatever, mm-hmm. however old we are, and now in the last like five to 10 years, it's like, hey, here's this possibility. How does, how has that been, you know, reflected in your clients? Yeah, I think, you know, well, so there, with like being able to connect and th- things online, I think that has really helped to propel the polyamorous movement because all of a sudden you can kind of like connect to other voices mm-hmm. and, you know, realize, oh, like maybe this makes sense. Maybe like I am not weird for having thought about these things and have what, you know, been wanting to explore other relationship structures and have more people in my life and kind of like a more abundant type of love. And so, you know, having the supportive community, I think it can really help normalize various relationship structures for people. And it can really help people with feeling more confident with kind of coming out of their shell and exploring mm-hmm. different things. And um, so, yeah, I think that the internet has been great for polyamory as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of part of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing here. A uh, bunch of um, all of the polyam content creators that I see out there, like 
I feel like our our unified mission is to just normalize monogamy, yeah. nor- normalize non-monogamy, I should say, um, and and make it so that it's not some weird thing, I guess. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it'll always be quote unquote weird. Maybe it'll always be on the periphery. Like I was I was having this conversation with uh, with my brother the other day, you know, uh, when you look at stuff like uh just just basic numbers statistics whatever um the majority of the population is heteronormal or heteronormative right like the majority of the population is just heterosexual and monogamous um so if we are not hetero and monogamous like we're automatically outside of the norm right You know, it's when you actually look at the stats, it gets really interesting because I've seen different numbers, but, you know, it it can kind of vary based on the based on the literature, based on the research. But one in five, that's the number I go to. Mm -hmm. One in five people, you know, are in a non-monogamous relationship structure at some point in their lives. Like that's the lifetime prevalence of. Um, people who engage in non-monogamy and um, you know, that's the same amount of people who exercise as much as we're supposed to be exercising. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's, that's a lot. It's actually not as out of the mainstream as people might think, but Mm -hmm. it's because people have to be so careful. Like, you know, I mean, a lot of my clients are just, you, you just have to be so careful who you tell and who you come out to. So, People probably know more people who are engaging in non-monogamy than they realize, but you know because you do have to be careful. Like people don't know, so so Let, yeah. Let's let's finish it off by touching on that fear that that fear of coming out, that fear of being found out. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's based in this hetero mononormative programming that we've received, you know, generations on generations. But what would you say to the community who is struggling with that today yeah it's scary and i think there does need to be care taken in coming out and you know it's really important that people come out in spaces where they feel safe to do so because that's gonna continue to help build confidence with coming out and there really is you know coming out is kind of a, a it's a social advocacy in a way because the more people who do, you know, are open about their relationship structures, the more it will help embolden other people to be open. And, and that helps, you know, kind of like with um, the community connecting and sharing and things like that, which helps combat that isolation that we were talking about in the beginning um, can be so pervasive, but with coming out that can help to combat that. Mm -hmm. So um, it can be hard, and I think you need to be careful and have a, a supportive community around that. But it can. There's also so much potential for it being a very rewarding thing. So, and like you mentioned with your podcast, I, you know, that's something I was thinking about. Just thinking about this topic, like that's kind of what you're doing is combating that mononormativity. And um, so, yeah, I think that's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, and I, I uh, feel like. Uh, as you're as you're talking there, I'm thinking that all uh, a rising tide lifts all ships, 
And so more yeah. and more of us coming out and, and being, you know, when, when it's safe to, and when we feel safe to more of us coming out and creating that representation, you know, be the representation that you want to see in the world, yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, try and- to make the world a better place. <laughs> yes. Always try to make the world a better place. And the Love other thing that tips. I was, yeah, they're great, right? <laughs> Good job, producer at business bros pod. Go check that out. Um, the other thing that I was thinking uh, as you were as you were talking there was uh, when it comes to normalization, it doesn't mean that it's the majority thing that like everybody does. It just stops being seen as something that's so out of left field. It, it, you, you said one in five, like that's how many people exercise regularly as much as we're supposed to. That's a pretty significant number of people. And we don't think of people who, you know, exercise and whatever three to five times a week as <laughs> freaks or weirdos so that's what we're trying to stop you know stop being seen as freaks yeah. or weirdos yeah i mean we're a little bit freaky and a little bit weird sometimes but you know <laughs> <laughs> what is normal <laughs> what is normal fine by me Oh, Ross. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, Alana, before we go, before we get out of here, uh, I do have one final question for you, which yeah. is if anybody wants to get in touch with you, if they want to chat with you, uh, tell especially our listening audience how they can get a hold, how they can get a hold of you. Uh, and if there's any regional restrictions on where you can help them. Yes, so I am licensed in Ohio, Virginia, and Kentucky, so to work with me, you would need to be in one of those states, but, you know, I still welcome, you know, people just reaching out if, you know, if you have any questions or want to connect or whatnot. Um, my email address is Alana, and that is spelled, well, it's on the screen, but A-L-O-N-N-A, and then my, so my email is Alana at life-tree-counseling.com. And my website is www.life-tree-counseling.com. So yeah, looking forward to connecting with folks. Perfect. What what, what will they find at your website? Um, so I have my bio, services I provide, um, all that good fun stuff. It's, it's the website for my practice. So yeah. Perfect. All righty. Well, thank you again so much, Alana. I really appreciate your time and uh, just for hanging out with me and chit-chatting for a bit today. Thank you for having me. And thanks so much for doing this podcast and combating the mononormative messaging that we're bombarded with. So (laughs) You are too sweet. Thank you so much. And thank you as always to our live audience for tuning in today. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for the podcast download. So If you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for our Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you're downloading podcasts if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. That is all we've got for you all today. Thank you, as always, and thank you, uh, Alana, for hanging out. Until tomorrow, as always. Have a nice day! Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya.